0: ready (laughs) yeah hey guys and welcome back to playing dirty podcast i'm megan and this is katie hey guys and we are back for our sixth episode of uh catching up with katie on the weekend (laughs) um today we're just gonna talk about um something close to me in katie's heart um Mostly Katie, because now she has two teams involved, but, um, the transformation of college football and some, um, college division teams. So yeah, what's happened this week in sports,
1: Katie. So there has been quite a diversity of sports events this week. A couple big wins that I'm sure everyone was invested in, uh, the NBA playoffs, uh, yeah. completed with the Nuggets win. I don't think we're surprised there. No, I was just there to watch a Jokic and his baby and all the videos. I know. He seems like such a good dad. I uh, She's so cute. I also saw this video of him trying to, because he's from Serbia, right? So uh-huh. he was trying to open a champagne bottle, like the classic like American, like, ah, like, and he didn't know how to do it. He was like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> I think it rubbed some people the wrong way. How
0: like unenthusiastic he was at the end. Yeah. You know, his whole mantra is kind of like, this is my job, not my passion. And it's just kind of like a different, I mean, he's very humble. Like I see yeah. it humility, but he's just, he wants to go home and be with his family. And I don't know, did it rub you the wrong way or did you kind of see it as a good <sighs> attitude?
1: I just think that's who he is. I think he's all business and I don't think he, again, like he has a different idea of like what the sport is to him. Yeah, Um, And he did, he went home right away. I mean, I think he's back now. I think there was something about him like playing with his horses now that he's back home. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) I'm like, wow. Like he truly, this is his job and he travels to America for his job. And, um, I don't, I I don't have any like strong feelings towards it. I kind of respect it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But that was a bummer on the heat. I don't know if you saw, but Jimmy Butler did uh, like a one-on-one interview mm-hmm. and the reporter asked him, you know, if you get inducted into the Hall of Fame, like, are you going to go to the ceremony? Like, what does that look like for you? And he said, no. He said, I'm absolutely not going to the ceremony. And the reporter was like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, I'm a team guy like that's just that's just not what I'm looking for you know there was a um, MLB player who came out I believe for the
0: Cardinals yeah who kind of said the same thing he was like I would never go I would never accept a Hall of Fame induction just out of respect for people who like really deserve to be in the Hall of Fame which eh, if someone's giving you a Hall of Fame
1: yeah honor just take it right I know it's I feel like it would be a slap in the face to the Hall of Fame like committee or whoever decides on that. It's like is this is one of the highest honors you can get in your professional sport. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I understand where Jimmy's coming from, and I understand where this Cardinals player is coming from, but I would take it. Come on, that's like such a big honor. In uh twenty twenty seven, I have to go. Wait, yeah,
0: twenty twenty seven. That's ten years since we graduated high school yes I have to go back for my hall of fame induction
1: (laughs) oh my god
0: really you guys do that if you win state your team as like a whole not individually your team gets inducted into the hall of fame Mm -hmm. and my year was the last year there was like a 10-year waiting period and the year after me it was an automatic induction let's go So all of the teammates on my team who were on the team after that and continue to win state like year after year they're in the hall of fame wow. um, but
1: me and
0: three of my teammates are not
1: so i would rather have it your way where you get to go back and be celebrated and honored than have it be an automatic i don't know how you're feeling about it
0: it depends on what i'm doing in 2027 i think
1: yeah that's <laughs> i'd true. like a good a good life to show for it Man, the 10-year college reunion, that's only four years away. High school. Sorry, high school. I meant high school. You're on college just because UCLA's
0: graduation was last night, which made me so sad.
1: I saw it on LinkedIn. I I saw the guy who, the person who gave a speech on LinkedIn, whatever. Oh, Yeah, I saw some pictures and videos. Um, It made me really jealous. To be honest i know although i really liked our ceremony we got to watch because it was just you and me that's so (laughs) cute and our parents got to be close i thought that was really special even though it was a bad time it was just um short and like
0: i don't know my my parents enjoyed it way more than a traditional graduation ceremony And I'm glad, like, I would have been really upset if we didn't go at the same time. But um, I think it would have been fun to have, like, a big, you know, throw your cap and have a graduation speech and, you know, cry all together and see all the people that you hadn't seen since, um, I don't know, junior, beginning of junior year no but nonetheless yeah. going back to school so hopefully another global pandemic doesn't hit at the end of my phd <laughs> absolutely it will not i i the, really do the measles outbreak hit disneyland and canceled our senior trip my eighth grade near my senior year of high school measles outbreak do you remember when everyone at disneyland had the measles
1: no to be I honest know. i am not a big disney person but well, we were
0: supposed to have a senior trip to Disneyland, and then that got canceled. And then senior year of college, COVID hit. So now I'm really worried for my next graduation.
1: No, it'll all be good. It's the dawn of bad luck. The, the earthquake's going to hit California or something. Oh, gosh, something like that. I know. Um, there's also the U.S. Open happening. Speaking of college um the la country club is right next to ucla so i know so right now tied for first as i'm staring
0: at this which they're playing right now so could change mm -hmm. at any moment but ricky fowler um clark and rory mcelroy i don't know what clark's first name is w something
1: it's it's a really weird one okay tied for first um
0: a, a bunch of big players didn't make the cut into um, after the first couple of days, which is kind of shocking to see, but obviously happens all the time in golf. You have bad days and good days. Right. Um, you told me Ricky Fowler was
1: shooting like insanely well. So the first day on Thursday, he shot a 62, which is yeah. the all-time low, like record low uh, for that course, right? I think for the U.S. Open. Oh, really? I believe for the U.S. Open. Um, and it had been a 50-year record. But believe it or not, not even 10 minutes later, another player called um, Xander Schaffel, I want to say, also shot a 62. So two people in a single day at the U.S. Open shot like the lowest record um, to now, which is awesome. Love to That's see that. That's crazy. And Ricky Ricky also has been in kind of a slump. Like, you don't uh-huh. really... The past few years, you haven't really heard his name. I mean, he's obviously made a lot of cuts, but I think this is kind of his, like... Comment to come yeah, back. Comeback yeah, comeback moment, yeah.
0: Um, before we started recording, you told me you were really into BMX, and Ricky used to be a BMX
1: rider. There was a period of time where... I got interested in supercross, like Uh very like 2000s era, like, Oh my God. Like, um, Travis Pastrana, you know, like he's a sponsored by monster. No, seriously. (laughs) Like Red Bull monster. So turns out Ricky Fowler actually, uh, supercross was his first sport. So he used to ride dirt bikes. Um, and he was pretty into it, like started to compete in races. When he was 15, he was racing and he broke uh, his legs in three places. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was kind of the terminal point of his racing career. And that's how he got into golf, which is really, really interesting. But yeah, he still kind of acts and, you know, dresses like a a supercross type person. Like he drinks monster. I can see it. The flat brim hats. Like very like... (laughs) I don't know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, I like him, and I'm excited he's doing well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Um, So our other
0: championship update, um, which hopefully everyone has heard about, is the uh, NHL Stanley Cup. So Vegas won. Mm -hmm. Um, Great for a new-ish team. Um, And exciting for the city of Vegas, which is – I know we've talked about it a lot, but just, like, very up-and-coming on the sports front. Yeah. Um, and good for us because it's close to us, so. Yeah. We can travel to Vegas for all these fun things.
1: Yeah, I'm excited them for them, too. And I know we've also talked about this before, but there's been a lot of progress with the A's moving to Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. Last week, the state of Nevada actually came to, like, a conclusion on it, and the governor signed it into law that um, – the taxpayer money will be going to the stadium. So basically they had the green light as long as the MLB owners were okay with it. And of course they are. I mean, it was basically initiated by the owners. So it sounds like it's pretty 100%, uh, which is exciting. The The stadiums, the renderings at least look insane. Um, yeah. Again, we've talked about Tropicana's, RIP Tropicana, Tropicana like they're done. <laughs> and that's where the stadium will go. So, So yeah, Vegas, excited for Vegas. That was a cool Stanley cut to watch too. If we go back to the um, NBA for just a minute,
0: kind of on the the team front, um, Michael Jordan is selling the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I don't know if you followed this a little bit, but the Charlotte Hornets are not doing well in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been some drama with their players. So mm-hmm. looking to make some trades to kind of, Cleanup behavior, I guess, on the team. Um, Michael Jordan bought this team back in 2010 um, for 275 million. He's selling it um, all considered how badly the team is doing for three billion dollars. Billion, billion. That's amazing. So he made a pretty penny on on this, which. Yeah. I don't know quite the politics of sports team investing, you know, like how lucrative it is to invest in a team. Um, But this, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Like, I don't know if you attribute that to the popularity of the NBA growing in terms of like TV deals and all that. Um, Because like just the management of the team and, and their trade picks and stuff like that aren't great. So it's not like, Right. It's not like, you know, like, the Golden State Warriors, where they were in, like, a really bad slump for a while, and then they came back to just be a a monstrosity of a team to beat. So, it's interesting. Um, I I did check out an article that said that um, once Michael Jordan sells the Hornets, there will be no um, majority team owners who are Black, which... Obviously, is a huge problem. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, it's just really disappointing to see, um, and maybe a bigger conversation for another time. But just keeping that on everyone's radar to know that um, the ownership of these professional sports teams um, still is not equitable. So, yeah, a shame.
1: That is a shame. But it sounds like at least in whatever part he had in it, Michael did a really good job turning it around. Um, I, I see where you're coming from the point, like, where's the growth attributable? Like, because that's a massive amount of, like... But
0: it's not like this, the Hornets, you know, when he bought them, they were not fine. But they're still just, like, fine. Like, there wasn't a huge yeah. revolution of the team. You know, they're not picking up these, like, big-name players and... Um, you know, like the Suns for many years, once they came out of like the Steve Nash era, um, you know, they had Shaq in like that period of time and where they were just like horrible for a while. Yeah. It's like now you start to see them. It's like, okay, they acquire um, Booker. They acquire. Um, oh, shoot. What's his name? Chris Paul. No, the Arizona player. But yeah, they acquire Chris Paul and now it's Kevin Durant and like you're seeing Chris Paul move out and a new ownership. And it's like, they have these like big momentum shifts to kind of like change their luck. And I right. guess on the Charlotte side that just like didn't really happen.
1: Hmm. I mean, either way, like it has been great for the team, obviously. Um, yeah. And I think that's also a minority market. So it's good to see, how the ownership has impacted hopefully the, a portion of that comes from ticket sales maybe there was some sort of like marketing front that happened michael jordan being the owner i think probably carries some weight um, Oh, for sure so maybe that has something to do with it but i and i think you might know more about this than me but so zion williamson mm-hmm. um are there trade rumors around him? I know we talked last week about, you know, the baby mama drama that's been happening, but the the reason this ties in, I guess, is because there has been like murmurs of
0: Charlotte too trying to pick him up, um, mm-hmm. but they don't quite know in the transition of the team, like who, you know, you have your GM and the GM's reporting to the owners. Like they don't know who they're reporting to, like the old owners or the new owners because the deal will take such a long time to go through. Mm -hmm. Um, So Zion, after kind of all that drama panned out um, in the media last week, um, it came out that he has a really poor relationship with the Pelicans. And so he's most likely being traded. You know, I saw things hearsay like, there is no relationship, like, Mm. not a big chance that he's going to stay there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know exactly where he's going to go. Yeah. Or if he will go anywhere. Uh,
1: in the spirit of trades in the NBA, there has been a lot of talk post NBA finals about the heat, potentially picking up Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. which would be a really big pickup. Um, as well as Bradley Beal. So I think most people know the Heat to the heat, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so dame has been in portland for 12 11 years now um that was the first team he actually got picked up by going into the nba draft Mm -hmm. and so he has been a long time veteran with the portland trailblazers i think he feels some sort of loyalty to them which is totally fair Mm -hmm. um when Carmelo Anthony was on the Blazers and, and, you know, he's been there, like they were really fun to watch at one point, but the last two seasons, they haven't even made playoffs. Um, I think he's feeling some sort of frustration there and, you know, nothing's confirmed, but I think he would be open to leaving and potentially, I don't know where he would go, potentially the heat. Um, And the heat have made it very clear that, If they're going to get either one of those guys, Bradley Beal is playing for the Washington Wizards right now. Um, They'd rather have Dame, which is Mm -hmm. hilarious. But uh, I guess they make their intentions very clear, which is fair. But yeah, either of those players would be a a cool pickup for the Heat. Um, And I guess we'll see what happens. I think there's going to kind of be a lot of movement in the NBA.
0: Yeah, to that point, too, the draft is coming up. So um, I haven't really been following the top picks or anything, but um, the draft will have like huge implications too on who goes where and like how those teams kind of play out next year.
1: I think it's more likely for Damian to leave Portland if Portland uses their number three pick on a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um Because I think he's generally, I mean, at least – what it seems like is he's generally tired of them having to develop talent rather than just like having the talent and being able to use it and yeah. you know, go to playoffs. So I think that would, like you said, that would actually be like a really big factor in, in what happens.
0: Um, our, I mean, our last piece of NBA news, um, John Morant, um, I think that the NBA commissioner was kind of waiting. Um, I know we talked about last week, or maybe two weeks ago, kind of the drama. John Morant was seen on Instagram Live mm-hmm. with a weapon in his hand. Um, so kind of waiting for the punishment for the for his behavior. Um, so after the NBA Finals were done, maybe within a few days, they came out and said he was only suspended for 25 games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people were saying that wasn't enough mm-hmm. um and there was some talk about it being not a real gun and you know there's a little bit more playing out on social media and he's now come out and said said you know he doesn't really believe that he's done a good job being a role model and he's like oh of right. it's really public facing image and how this has impacted you know a lot of people so
1: I don't know. I mean, given his history and the mistakes that he's made, I don't think he has a lot of credibility with the NBA uh, at large. So it's a 25-game su- game suspension, right? hmm I think that is warranted, honestly, in my opinion. No, it's warranted. Just people saying it's not enough.
0: Like it should have been more severe than that. What do you think? Um, I don't want to tread. Like I'll tread carefully and yeah, what you say. But I just I don't know. I did. It just rubs me the wrong way.
1: Yeah. No, I hear that. Um, so there also has been some basketball news, but college basketball. And
0: this is hitting Tucson people, whether they know it or not, um, pretty hard. So Bob Huggins mm-hmm. um, got arrested for his second DUI. Oh, wow. Really, really bad one. Um, his um, blood alcohol level is like twice out of the legal limit, something really, really crazy high. Yeah. And for everyone in Arizona that's listening, you will remember that our um, beloved and sometimes not beloved Kerr Creasa transferred to West Virginia at the end of this season. And he transferred because of the coaching style of Bob Huggins. And now he has retired. So Mm -hmm. Kerr has come out on... Twitter and said you know I knew this guy for three months he is an amazing coach it's really a shame um, to see him go so disappointing for Kerr I know a lot of people aren't his biggest fans, so you might not particularly care but really hard to transfer to a school because you see a coaching style that you admire and then for yeah. that coach to just completely let you down
1: Can you give me some background on Kerr? I'm not really familiar. Maybe it's more of like a University of Arizona
0: thing. He is one of the top guards in the, um, at least in the Pac-12, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason that he's like really controversial, I guess he's a big character, big flopper. Mm-hmm. Um he wears a sweatband that is like his like iconic style and he has like a bowl cut that like sits over his oh. um. So he's just become a huge big NIL. Um, you know, the rumors fly around that he got paid a fat NIL deal to transfer to West Virginia. Yeah. Um he has a lot of beef with refs, he says what's on his mind. Mm-hmm. Um I believe he's from Estonia. Um, if you're on his team, it's really fun to watch him because it just adds yeah. a production value to it. Yeah, um, someone who just like really loves playing the game. If you're not on his team, I'm sure he's quite literally the most annoying person to play mm. against on the planet.
1: Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's helpful. Um, but yeah, it is a bummer to hear about that. Um, interesting to see who's going to step up and take his place.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wish all the best for West Virginia. I think that's difficult and difficult, you know, cause they're in a point where um, teams are practicing and they have their, their new players, they have their transfers in, they have their freshmen mm-hmm. in, they're trying to build up a program, um, you know, in summer school and whatnot that athletes have to go through. So. Yeah. Tough. That is tough
1: uh switching it up a little bit baseball i we know i feel like we haven't talked very much about the mlb and i think uh we're a little bit due because we're kind of getting deep into the season now we're you know it's summer um closer and closer we get to october it'll exactly. become. yeah especially as all the other sports end and then you're like stuck watching baseball <laughs> yeah so For all you baseball fans, we will definitely be talking more about it in in this episode and future episodes. But um, you want to take a moment here for someone special? Shohei
0: Otani is absolutely crushing it Mm -hmm. in MLB, which no one is shocked by. He's one of the greatest players to ever play baseball. Yeah. Um, He's currently, for the Angels, leading in almost every stat you could think of and he had his 23rd home run of the season yesterday and he now is the new mlb leader for home runs he is wow 150 career home runs and counting so um and i don't know he's
1: our age is he really oh yeah he's like 24 25 26 he truly amazes me as an athlete. I think a lot of times, and, and tell me what you think here, but I think a lot of times you can kind of get away with in baseball not being an amazing athlete, but being a great baseball player. Mm. And maybe that's not true universally, but he's one of those people who is just like an incredible athlete, having played pretty much every position in the sport and being good at every position in the sport. Um, he's, he's fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. For
0: co- our college side of things, we have our men's college world series going on. And I have two, I've all update everyone on what's going on, but then I have like a little anecdote about this, but, um, we are past super regionals. So we're in Omaha. There's two brackets. Um, the first one is. Florida, Virginia, Oral Roberts, and TCU. almost knocked over my coffee. Um, And the second bracket is Wake Forest, LSU, Stanford, and Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, Virginia has been eliminated out of bracket one. Um, So Florida and Oral Roberts have no losses. Um, Wake Forest and LSU have no losses. So obviously this will play out um, as time goes on. But I don't know if you've seen on TikTok that um Oral Roberts who I don't know if anyone saw them making it to the men's college world series yeah. but every time they get on base their coach feeds them gummy worms that's so cute and they just like open their mouth and like <laughs> grab the little gummy worm out of their coach's hand I love it that's awesome it's really funny
1: cool um so going to pivot here to Kind of staying on college, but a topic that we touched on a little bit last week, something that, you know, Megan mentioned is close to our heart and really a big deal in kind of the taxonomy of college football. And it's a bit twofold. So, in general, conferences are being switched up a lot, college football conferences. Um, it's a very dynamic, setting right now i think and there's a lot up in the air and then there's a lot that has previously been decided and is now being put in motion so one of those is the development of the big 12. so texas and oklahoma are expected to leave the big 12 for the sec in 2024 This is a big, big loss for the Big 12. I mean, those are two, first of all, it's a historic rivalry. And second of all, those are two very, very good football teams and football schools, generally. A lot of money there. um, They carry a ton of weight in the the Big 10. Or sorry, the Big 12. Here we go, (laughs) getting getting confused between the two. It's because I told you yesterday that I thought they were the same thing for 24
0: years of my life.
1: Why Again, why name them the same, why do they both have to be big? Why, why would you do that?
0: And first <laughs> of all, when I was younger, it was the Pac-10 and then it became the Pac-12. So if you have the Pac, I mean, the Big Ten and then the <laughs> teams, why would it not become the Big 12? Like, I just don't, who was sitting down at the
1: table and was like, yeah, let's just name it the same thing as uh, I know. everyone else on the road? I know. No, I completely agree. It is It is a bit confusing. Um so essentially what the big 12 has done to kind of preempt Texas and Oklahoma leaving is they've added four new schools to the conference. Those are Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, and there's one more. Houston. Houston, duh. Um, You're sitting
0: in Houston. I know, literally.
1: That's the school that's closest to me. Um, so, funnily enough, actually, those four teams are joining this year. So there's going to be a year of overlap where the Big 12 becomes the Big 16. <laughs> okay, I but guess. are they naming it the Big 16? No, they absolutely will not. I hope they don't. It's only a year. Are, is it just staying Big 12?
0: What I'd happens stay- when there aren't 12 teams in the
1: Big 12? Are there 12 teams in the Big 12? Well, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, it's going to be the Big 14. So what are they changing the name? (laughs) (laughs) Well, is the big 10 going to change? I I have no idea. That's a great question. And then if they both change their names,
0: so like, let's say the pack, excuse me, the big 10 becomes the big 12 (laughs) and then the big 12 also becomes the big 14. How do you know what the big 10 became and what the big
1: 12 became? That's so true the history is going to be all jumbled. That's such a good point. Let's just, they should just start from scratch and create more original names than that. I mean, let's not do the numbering. The fantastic 14. I like that. (laughs) Alliterations. Um, so, you know, obviously Megan and I are pretty upset about the PAC 12 kind of dissipating. Um, we've talked about that before. I mean, from episode one, the PAC 12 is been really close to our heart, obviously with UCLA, U of A, like it, it we've grown up watching it again, Pac-10 or Pac 10 to Pac-12, C yeah. Um, but now that UCLA and USC are going to the Big Ten, there is a lot up in the air with like what is the Pac 12 gonna look like? Um, who's added, you know, is it gonna is it going to expand? I think a lot of that has to do with TV contract money. So curious your thoughts on A, what the Pac Twelve is going to look like, you know, what sort of teams are gonna be added or not added. Um, and then we can kind of talk about potentially current Pac-Twelve teams leaving for the Big Twelve.
0: Um, I have little faith that the Pac-Twelve will pull together a media deal that's worth the teams that are in its time. Mm-hmm. Um Just colloquially, from a viewer's point of view, you can't even, like, watch Pac-12 games unless you subscribe to Pac-12 networks. Mm -hmm. So it used to be that everyone in Tucson would, like, cohesively switch what TV provider that they were subscribing to, like, year on end, because it would just be one of them would carry the Pac-12 games. Right. And then it became none of them. And so... um everyone has now ended up just, like, sharing Pac-12 subscriptions together. Yeah. But if you can't watch your – like, if I have to physically get up from my house and go to a bar or restaurant that subscribes to Pac-12, that's super annoying. Yeah. Um, There's not enough money in it for – especially with the NIL, there's not enough money in the TV deals for schools to have – I, just for lack of a better phrase, to pay all their players to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not enough money to do big football recruiting, which is the money maker that's driving the rest of the sports um, in these programs. And I don't know. I think the Pac-12, um, if anything, if they can get a good TV deal, needs to become a basketball conference. Yes, I was um, just thinking need that. Plan- Big basketball schools. Yes. The only school I've really kind of heard rumors about um, that sticks in my mind coming to the Pac 12 is San Diego State. Yeah. Um, seeing some smaller schools like that that aren't definitely not football, um, which is fine. Like U of is not a football school either, except they're probably leaving. But, um, right. I don't. I don't know. I think it is like a big smack in the face to schools like Oregon who are athletic powerhouses. Mm -hmm. Um, But Oregon's privately funded their athletic program, basically. So you need to think like, I don't know, you're you're asking all of these 18 to 20 something year olds to come to your school and get a degree and play sports at the same time. And you're kind of, Exploiting them in some ways, and if you're not gonna compensate them and you're not gonna mm-hmm. give them what they're owed, they're gonna go to different schools, and that's gonna implode your whole like c- college athletics is the face of institutions, right? You know.
1: No, I I completely agree, and you know I don't re- I don't know if you remember this, but there was actually approval for Washington and Oregon to leave the PAC 12 at one point. No, I didn't know this. This was way back when like it first started like coming mm. out. Um, but I guess, yeah, they were like at one point approved to move around and move conferences. I didn't end up pulling the trigger, but the schools that I think will be added after UCLA and USC leave, first of all, I think it'll take time. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I agree with you. It's going to have to be a basketball or some other sport-driven conference because
0: football not what's, what's your
1: next? Your next option is baseball. Baseball right. is
0: usually a break-even sport, and right. all the other sports are losing money. So, um,
1: right, and that's I don't, part of the No problem. big,
0: big that's- baseball schools, but if you're losing UVA, like you're also losing your biggest basketball and baseball school.
1: Right. And that's, I think that brings up another issue is that all of these programs, especially women's programs, I think maybe with the exception of like beach volleyball at USC, or like these very like specific, specifically funded programs, like they're taking a huge hit. Not not only that, but the whole like makeup of this new conference and all of these new conferences are going to bring on so many changes. And we'll get to this later, but like the tax of travel on these players and the cost of travel on these players, like it just brings about a whole nother like group of questions that needs to be asked about how are they how and I guess this is the Pac-12 specifically is like how is it going to manage all of these changes? And it's sad because it's not necessarily the Pac-12's fault, right? It's just how the cards have fallen. Um but there has been talk of two teams that might potentially leave the Pac-12 once again for the Big 12, and that is University of Colorado Boulder and University of Arizona. Um, and there's nothing confirmed, right? This is just like kind of a, an option, but that would, I mean, that would leave the Pac-12 with really just like the Pacific Northwest and Stanford. But and leave me with no one. It's there's literally no one, and that's really really sad. I mean, then there would be, you know, they'd have to add a San Diego state. They'd have to potentially add like a Utah state or a Boise state or Gonzaga if they're going to go the way with basketball. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Like if Arizona left, how would you feel about that? That's that's a big change.
0: It's like going through a breakup or something. I don't know. You have to, like, readjust Yeah. the world that you... Oh, yeah. Know, your whole entertainment is surrounded by this, like, Pac-12... World. Loyalty. Yeah, yeah. Loyalty. Yeah, that's a perfect word. And then, it like, like I wanted to go to UCLA as a college because I was like, I want to get out of Arizona, but I love that era, like, the era of sports and that kind of, like feeling to a university. And so right. like out of everything, when I looked at UCLA, it was like best of both worlds for me, but I was like, oh, I'm staying in the pac 12. Right. And now it's like, I don't have any like super big opinions about teams and, um, the big 10 or the big 12 where I'm like stoked about this happening. So, um, you'll, I mean, people grow into it. Yeah. It change, course. but like, yeah. It'll be okay. For everyone. And, It'll be amazing for U of A if they're gonna bring in more money for all these programs. And you know, we get a better football recruits and better baseball recruits. And like you get to partake in a better culture and better competition because of it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Like, okay, think of
0: how fun it's going to be when UCLA,
1: and Michigan play like at the Rose Bowl. No, you're right. No, like I do think they're, I mean, as sad as I am and with the changes, like you're right, people get used to it. And seeing two of my alumna play each other down the street from where I grew up, like, I mean, that's a crazy experience. And when I was 12, I never would have thought of that ever. Um, And I think, to your point, that alone, that game alone, and we can talk. We'll talk about like what the schedule looks like uh, for the Big Ten, but that game alone is going to bring in so much money to not only the Rose Bowl but Southern California, all of these Michigan fans who are currently living in Southern California, which I will say is a lot. I, when I was visiting my parents um, a few months ago, I was like walking down the street in like my Michigan Ross Patagonia. And I kid you not, three people came up to me and they're like, go blue or like my son's going there or like whatever. And I'm like, wow, like there's truly like a huge alumni network here that um, you forget about because you're on the West Coast. But anyways, um, I totally I totally get where you're coming from. And I agree. I think it will be beneficial for UCLA and USC.
0: Yeah. All right. So one of the things that just off the bat. So I sent you the big 10 football schedule for 2024, Mm -hmm. 2025, it just came out. They're doing something called this Flex Protect Plus model, which sounds so corporate, but it makes literally no sense to me. Um, Mm -hmm. The verbiage of it is really confusing. So do your best and explain what the heck is happening.
1: Okay. I I will preface this with I think I have a general understanding, but I'm not, like, an expert yet. This is a very new concept, given that there's going to be so many teams now in the Big Ten, um, high-profile teams in the Big Ten. Uh, they did some finagling where the model of schedule of play is going to have protected rivalries and then a rotating um year by year schedule so for example teams like ucla and usc that historical rivalry is going to be protected same with every like year other, every year same okay. with a michigan and an ohio state right mm-hmm. where they're playing is going to differ but those historical games like those rivalries will be protected there's a few others and, and i can talk about them in a second um but outside of those allocated games there is a four year rotating schedule for teams outside of the rivalries. So, like, a UCLA is not necessarily going to play in Ohio State every single year. Um, no, 2024 at the Rose Bowl, though. I, I know. I'm buying tickets. You're going for sure.
0: My, yeah, I remember my cousins are big Ohio State fans. So, I already texted them oh,
1: yeah. and I was like, we're all going to
0: the Rose Bowl. We must.
1: Yeah, that's that'll be an Ohio State man. They bring a crowd. Same with Michigan. Um Actually, did you know that this is a little bit of a side note? Michigan is actually playing Fresno State. Wow. Um I have no, I think it's a preseason game. And so Jack will be going Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. I want to confirm that. I'm not 100% sure, but I did see that at some point they were playing each other and I think it might be at the big house in Michigan. So Jack is going, <laughs> if he travels. Are you going to go? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh um, Can I come Please. I mean, okay. you're definitely invited. <laughs> um, any game that Jack plays, you are absolutely invited. Oh, okay. Um, so, I'll get a Jersey that so says Jacobs on the back. For us <laughs> Bulldogs, go. <laughs> um, so Yes. So these protected rival rivalries, there is 11 of them in every, uh, season schedule. Um, these rivalries include Illinois and Northwestern, Illinois and Purdue. Really interesting. Didn't know they were, they were rivals. Indiana, (laughs) Purdue, uh, Iowa, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan State, and Michigan and Ohio State, UCLA, USC, and Minnesota, Wisconsin. So basically, there will continue to be nine interconference games per season. Um, again, like there's so many like pieces of this new schedule that I think are still really new. Like I've never seen a model like this. Um, I mean, yeah, they had to sit down and kind of problem solve. <laughs> um, they really did, yeah.
0: But I I don't know what you think about this, but they kind of problem-solved to the Eastern-Central teams' advantage and kind of um, put UCLA and USC at a disadvantage.
1: I I agree to an extent. I think the way that they're going to rotate the home games, they try to be equal to, like, the West Coast teams. Like, everyone gets, like, a home game once every four years or something and, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will always be a disadvantage, like you said, for UCLA and USC because um, they're traveling an insane amount to just like get to these locations to play. And I, also, I want to flag, like, again, this is not just football. These oh, are, oh my
0: all... god, yeah, football's not the problem. Like, not really the problem here. They're getting chartered out to
1: move right, the line. literally, exactly on a on a private plane. Um, so let's be real it's
0: the women's the small women's teams who are gonna have to sit in the airport and have their whatever airlines flight canceled um the night before midterms and they're gonna be studying in the airport and
1: they're gonna suffer for it speaking from experience i'm gonna pull the college volleyball flag here um we went to the sweet 16 my freshman year we got stuck in Florida during, during finals. So I was on the hotel floor trying to do a final while we're waiting out a thunderstorm. And it was just like, it was just kind of ridiculous. I mean, we were all the way across the country. Um, that, that sort of thing is going to become way more common. And that puts a lot of stress on the athletes already trying to just like be like students. Um, on top of having to travel, being jet-lagged, you know, whatever it is. So uh, there was a stat that I found that said UCLA is going to have, like if you are a team at UCLA traveling um, in total for a Big Ten game, they're going to travel 25,000 miles during the season. 25,000 miles.
0: I don't quite think it's, and I think fair is a dangerous word, to use, but I, I don't really have a better one in my mind, but mm-hmm. I don't quite think it's fair to take kids who, whether or not you are invested in your degree, you are good enough at this sport that you have gotten yourself into a university, mm-hmm. maybe perhaps a better university than you would have gone to off of GPA alone, and right. perhaps... This is your only opportunity to go to college and you are good enough to get the money in order to do so. And just right off the bat, even the Pac-12 as it is, you take a student in their sports season. And when we were at UCLA, we're on quarters. So you have 10 weeks. Yep. I don't know if you guys realize how fast 10 weeks go, but the whole thing was, if you hate a class at UCLA, don't worry, it's gonna be over in about five minutes. Like, yep. it goes by so fast. You're gone. You have two classes a week. You're gone for one of those two classes every single week. You've missed half of your classes. Mm-hmm. You've missed probably all three of your big exams. And people just, I mean, their grades start plummeting. You know, yeah. I was, had a good friend who was a basketball player, and he was just like, I always failed my classes during basketball season. Not because I didn't try but because I'm not there right and so it's not like you're taking first of all university courses are being taught by professors who are at a research institution most most of the time if you're a big research institution they're teaching because they have to teach you know so like right you come in and I mean I guess this is off topic but in the other half of my life, that is science and academia, you come into an institution as say, a like research adjunct professor, you have to then go to the government and submit a grant Mm -hmm. and say, here's Mm -hmm. all the research I've done. Here's the project I want to do. Please fund me. And then your grant gets ranked Mm -hmm. and you get a point system. And so you get placed within a percentage. And so you might be 1%, 1% and you might be 11%. And like in a percentile. And then when the government sets their budget for the year, they'll come back and they'll say, "Okay, this is how much money is allocated towards scientific research for whatever the financial term is." So they'll set a funding line. And so then they'll say, "Okay, everything 9% and above will be funded." Right. And so if you're through 99%, you don't get money and you have to keep trying, keep trying. And so Mm -hmm. these professors come into universities and the only way for them to A, have money in order to do the research, in order to submit the grant in the first place, is to teach. So it's like you get all these people whose livelihood Mm -hmm. is dependent upon the research, having to teach a class, not because they want to teach the class, and then, a, you have people in science who most of the time don't really care about sports. And then you have these athletes coming in talking to these professors who, A, don't really want to be there teaching. Yeah. We've all had that experience. Yeah. And B, don't understand sports at all because they don't they care. They may watch them, they may care about them. Like, right. I hope when I become a professor and I'm older, I'll be nice to my athletes, but you can't treat them any differently than they are students. Yeah, and so it's like, okay, now you have a student who's there half the time. They've missed every single exam. What do you do with them? Yeah, and it's like no. they're already in that position, and now UCLA is traveling tw- traveling twenty five thousand miles
1: mm-hmm. a season,
0: and it's like, okay, you take football. They're getting chartered flights. You can probably study on the plane and the hotel, whatever it may be. You take women's rowing, women's tennis, women's golf, Right. you send them all the way to the other end of the country mm-hmm. and now they've wasted probably twice as much time sitting in an airport 100%. or on a bus.
1: 100%. I agree with you. I think it causes a lot of problems. I think there's going, people need to lean in more, not only the coaches, the administrative staff, but the athletic department is going to need to lean in more and provide resources. They already have resources. They already have tutors when they go and travel. Right. But like, I think there's going to need to be a little bit of another level because if you're driving from the Bay to Los Angeles and back, or, you know, whatever it is, you can study on the bus. It's only a four hour drive. Like it really, in comparison to flying to Indiana, like, three time zones across it's gonna be a huge change um I actually worked in the athletic department as I'm sure you remember I was a um, yeah yeah I do I was a tutor for like once I stopped playing volleyball I was a tutor for the athletes and a good chunk of the time they were gone they just didn't show up to these sessions because they were traveling maybe they had like other obligations. So these lessons that I put together, a lot of times they had to be catered quick, like get the information out because like you don't know when you're actually going to have time. And, I, and speaking from firsthand experience, after you've just flown or driven X amount of hours, like you don't want to study. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you just don't. And so I, f- I hear exactly what you're saying about it being like a duality. These professors can't accommodate generally because like they have things that they're responsible for. And then the athletes are just doing their best on the other side. So I think people just are going to need to lean into it a little bit more.
0: And if you take the percentage of athletes who go from college to going pro and making enough money to like live off of it, Mm -hmm. it's such a small percentage of people. It's like, okay, all these other athletes need that degree and need Mm -hmm. a job and need work experience yes in college in order to completely pivot their life once they're done and so you get a lot of individuals that are playing a sport you know and they chose a really difficult major whether that be like science engineering right you no know, uh a humanities where the rigor of the academics is hard enough for a quote-unquote a regular student. normal student right and then you're taking an athlete who like really needs this opportunity right and they're getting feeded half the information from a peer and not even the professor themselves mm-hmm. and like not not i mean it's annoying also as like a normal student when those accommodations do happen right but you can see kind of why they do and it's like grass is always greener But I don't know. I used to stay in classes with – it was a lot of girls on the track and field team, and they would just call me when they got home because they were just like, what happened in class?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, One thing that I found – I had a little chuckle about it. Um, So, as you know, my dad played football in college. He was Mm -hmm. a history major, which Mm -hmm. I don't think is notoriously – difficult of a major at UCLA maybe it's changed but at least you know no. I think it's it's a, it's a social science you know whatever um historically sociology is like the major to take as an athlete my mom was a social major um not saying I mean you're at UCLA so obviously there is rigor to it but so she's like kind of like the default whatever um And I was a political science major, so I can make fun of myself here. (laughs) But I saw UCLA football post the graduating seniors or whatever year they were graduating from the football team. I kid you not. I think 50% of them were sociology. Another like 20% political science, some sort of like social science. And then actually what was really cool is a lot of them were African-American studies, which was really unique because I feel like when I, at least when I was there, I didn't see a lot of that. Um, and, and that's a really cool major that UCLA has, but I just had a chuckle about how leveraged the football team was in these specific majors oh at UCLA. God.
0: You have practiced at a certain time. So your classes yeah. have to be at a certain time, which limits the majors you're allowed to go into. Right. Um, typically like, um, UCLA would build their schedule so that certain majors, classes all came into the same block of time. So if you were a STEM major, it was like all your classes fell in the morning and like your humanities fell at different points in time. Like it was like your classes always were at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, you know? Right, right. So, I don't know, you're limited, but think of how many of those football players aren't going into the NFL or XFL or anything like that. So, they now need to go find a job. And it's like, what if you were stuck in a major you didn't want to be in for the career that you saw yourself doing after football?
1: I know. No, I know. I think there's a lot of, I don't want to call them problems, but just those are kind of things that come with being an athlete. And to come full circle, I I do think UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten is might amplify some of those, uh, but I am optimistic that they will get worked out in the long run. Um, yeah. Also, very curious to see how the Big Twelve is gonna play out and how the Pac Twelve is gonna play out. Um, it, we'll like kind of monitor that. As, if there's any big changes, you know, we'll hop on here and chat about it, but generally like a lot of changes i know i'll have to like grow new rivals i know it'll be it'll be interesting i don't know who i'll root for between ucla and usc or ucla and michigan but definitely boo ohio state i cannot even believe that i'm sorry i still can't believe we're besties and i cannot believe that you are an ohio state fan that's so brutal
0: by proxy proxy. that's fair that's fair My personal
1: teams are
0: U of A and UCLA. Okay.
1: So I think that kind of brings us to the end of today's episode, unless Megan, you had anything else you wanted to chat about? No, not off the top of my head. Sweet. So we are recording on Sunday. It's Father's Day. Give your dad a hug. Hi, dad. Yeah, I know. Hi, dad. (laughs) Hopefully he listens to this. You know last last episode we talked about your parents coaching and your mom made a funny comment i don't even think my dad listened to the episode but yeah my mom was i was like i
0: need a favor and she was like tread carefully i'm on the part where you're speaking about me coaching you
1: (laughs) that's so funny um so we will see basically today the u.s open wrap up um if i'm not mistaken again there's a lot of mlb games happening uh, so if you're a baseball fan, we'll click in there next week. Um, the Diamondbacks are crushing it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, the Red Sox just beat the Yankees fifteen to five, which is oh surprising. God. I know. Um, our uh, former
0: UCLA player Matt McClain is doing amazing on the Cincinnati Reds.
1: Wow. Let's go, Bruins. Yeah. Um, Uh, Really really, fun to see. There was an IndyCar race today as well. I'm not sure if that has concluded. Oh, yes, it has. Um, Indy 500 winner Joseph Newgarden got second, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, the NBA draft is this week. That's right. Oh, my gosh, Megan. I just... So, sorry. Sorry to yell. I just saw an article on Bleacher Report. Bradley Beal traded to the Suns. Wizards are finalizing a trade to send All-Star Guard to Phoenix. No way. Wow. Turn of events. No more heat. I'm never going to be able to afford to go to the Suns game again. They're, man, they got a lineup. They definitely have a lineup. Um... Wow. That's crazy. So I guess again, there'll be more movement this week. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in here to episode six for all of you that have given us a five-star rating. I share my thanks, like our, my great thanks to you. Um, it helps us a lot when you like and leave comments on the YouTube, like, and comment um but we just really appreciate the listens and again as we always say feel free to reach out stay engaged with us on social media um and yeah like looking forward to next week see ya bye guys (laughs)